0: I don't want to sacrifice user experience. I mean, this is this, you know, what seven and a half billion people on the planet, of which four and a half five billion are online or have the capability to be online. So that user experience is something which obviously drives all of us. So, how do we make authentication, identity management effective enough that it doesn't get in the way of the user experience? How do we make you know we face-to-face trust? Um, how do we do that very, very effectively?
1: Mobile workforces, cloud applications, and digitalization are changing every aspect of the modern enterprise. And with radical transformation come new business risks. Welcome to Hybrid Identity Protection, the premier podcast for cybersecurity pros charged with defending hybrid identity environments. Presented by Semperis, the pioneers of identity-driven cyber resilience for the hybrid enterprise. And now, here's your host, 15-time Microsoft MVP and Active Directory security expert, Sean Duby.
2: Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to the HIP Podcast. We've been sharing the panel conversations from this year's third annual HIP Conference. And this week's episode will focus on hacking identity. This episode is hosted by my colleague, David Raviv. Back in 2013, David founded the New York Information Security Meetup, the largest independent security group in the country. And last year, David co-founded the Cyber Guild, a not-for-profit, 503C organization that promotes workforce growth in cybersecurity. After listening to this episode, be sure to head over to hipconf.com, that's H-I-P-C-O-N-F, to watch the conference sessions on demand. And now, over to David. So, so uh, why don't we uh, do a quick round of introductions? We, why don't we try, uh, start with you, all the yeah. way from the Netherlands. Yeah,
3: that's right. Uh, so uh, my name is Jim. I work for a consultancy company called Vertifi in the Netherlands. I've been doing Microsoft Identity for all of my working life. I've done identity and security projects for a very uh, diverse set of customers, everything from, uh, government, critical infrastructure, finance, uh, but also lot, lots and lots of smaller companies. So I think I've done uh, quite, a, quite a fair share of uh, different implementations. I've worked for a number of different consultancy companies, I've run uh, MIT or uh, an identity and security a division at a company. And then, uh, I think almost five years ago now, I started, a uh, a company with a couple of people.
2: Chris, I mean, uh, no, I think, uh, you need no introductions, but why don't we, uh, <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> all right. So like the official, I think the official Sempris title is like, uh, hacker in resident, which I think is absolutely fantastic. It's a ton of fun. Um, obviously background research threats, assessments, breaking stuff, the hacker mentality for all the obvious reasons. Uh currently also doing a whole bunch of work behind the scenes with like Obly Hit Squad and a bunch of other uh bunch of other good folks out in the industry. So Hanging out and helping out wherever I can. Uh,
2: that's great. And uh, I'm David Revive. I'm responsible for uh, customer success uh, here for some very large customers here in North America for some Paris and uh, excited to be here. I also dabble with you know some extracurricular activities. I'm running one of the largest independent security groups in the country. Chris uh, had the uh, the opportunity to speak with and the company, uh, organization had the privilege to to hear him speak. You know prior to uh, the closure here in New York City. So why don't we get started and maybe talk about the kind of the definition of identity uh, and, you know, how it was, you know, a few years back and, uh, you know, where where are things progressing today? Uh, maybe kind of to set the stage for this conversation, especially with everything, everything becoming digital, you know, the identity requirements for identity, I think even more paramount now because everything is being done remotely and <laughs> with this, this uh, you know, access and, trying to know who you are and you know the kind of the kyc for customers and uh and so on is, is becoming even more prominent now that everything's done remotely and they can't verify you uh any other way yeah it's amazing these days i mean
0: you know we we're talking about this in a couple of different talks over the last obviously couple of months and and it's it's amazing because i mean you know you go back to it you know you're talking about it going in new york and various other places you know you can validate that I am who I say I am at the other end of the keyboard because you can actually see me. Whereas now with everybody scattered to the four winds, your ability to validate who I am is solely reliant on you know a user ID, a password, maybe two factor If companies using it, an OAuth ID or something that's sitting on a cloud right active directory. I mean, it's, it's, it's a crapshoot, especially considering so many of us in the industry on the research side are sitting on so many identities that we've harvested from breaches. So, trusting and telling who's on that keyboard is becoming increasingly harder and, obviously, increasingly more necessary.
3: I do think there's a big difference though in in companies and how prepared they were for the for the COVID for the COVID crisis. I think, um, and I, and I've been talking to a lot of my colleagues here in the Netherlands, and I think uh, we're we're in a in a sort of a, a strange place because we're such a small country, um, but everybody seems to hate to drive. Uh, So uh, we all actually, I think, I I don't really know any company that before COVID didn't have at least some uh, functionality to work from home. Uh, And there was usually two factor, and there was usually already some setup for strong authentication and all those kinds of things to work from home. It just was never meant for this kind of scale. So I think the primary concern for most of my customers, at least, is that they were never ready for this kind of scale to handle the remote working, uh, and they're really moving away from things like VPN and Citrix because it's just not scalable at the scale they want to deploy that. And like every single user in the company now certainly needs to, somebody needs to use, uh, you know, the Citrix environment, to go to app something or whatever. And they, and they really need different solutions. But I think on the actual verification and setup, I think, the who are quite well prepared, like. I don't really know any company that didn't have already some form of establishing user identity or or setting that up i think it's just a technology shift that we really need to make um, but i don't know if that's very different in the us because i i do hear very different you know oh. team viewer being installed on every single machine and people just reaching team viewer using team viewer to get to
0: work so we were talking about this just before we went on live you know and it's okay And one time we're using bright talk the next time i'm using zoom then i'm using something else then some, and somebody then comes and goes, oh, you need to use Cisco WebEx. And I'm like, mm, no, no, I'm not, I'm not using that. That's a virus. It's actually a really good polymorphic Trojan that won't leave your computer ever. You have to burn the computer. So mm. I will never use that piece of software. Yeah. And we weren't prepared in any way, shape or form because so many, I think Netherlands has got a very different attitude no two ways about it. In the US, it's it's, it's empirical building. I'm gonna build my empire, which means I need all my employees in one place and I need to be able to see them. Now, yeah. yes, it's a huge country, and so you had little clans of, of bits of companies, but they all came into like a central location. And yeah. some of us were remote, so we were used to it. But so much of this was uh, was everybody clustered. Now everybody's just gone poof and scattered to the four winds, and cloud companies have like suddenly gone, Oh, actually we're relevant, really, really relevant now.
3: Yeah.
2: Now, there's also the, the question of multiple identities, right? And not and not a split personality, but, you know, think about a, an employee, right? So, you know, you have one identity, but you have to log into multiple systems. And you may have now identity that is related to your personal identity, right? Maybe it's a sh- social media groups and so on. So I think we struggle more than the... You know, digital identity for one, you know, one access, but it's it's really diverse. I think we all carry multiple identities today, especially like with the diverse workplace and you know various different access systems. And and the idea of like a single sign-on that we know, you know, has a lot of issues on its own, um, is not making things easier, right? So I, I mean, I, I did
3: I did recently uh, did yeah. a search on my keypass file just to see how many entries I had for all the different usernames and passwords, oh. for all the different. I had. So it I was uh, it was, I was in a discussion with a new uh, a new uh, student that was onboarding with us, uh, and I was and I, and I was telling him, you know, I, I'd like you to figure out, you know, where all your data lives, which identities you have, you know, how the all these things relate, and you know where your self service password resets go, so that you understand which accounts are important for you, and so you can basically set up you know appropriate uh, controls for each of these different accounts. And then while we were talking, we we're also talking on the subject of, you know, having different passwords for everything and maybe using a password manager. Uh, and I told him that my password manager of choice is KeePass because I like to see the database that actually contains all my secrets. Uh, and I did a quick search on the KeePass file just to see how much entries, I, uh, how many entries I have. And there's over 700 there. Uh, wow. so that's just, that's just an, an, an a, a gross idea. of How many different identities, uh, we actually have, and then I like to use different identities for different services instead of using everything through google or any of those because i think it's just really they don't really need to have my data in that way and i just like to just and, I, and also i don't use plugins so i just want to copy and paste and be slow about it uh but uh, uh because i don't trust any plugin for anything in the browser basically but having yeah that, there's a lot of there's a lot of identities there a lot of different logins a lot of different factors uh, also, I was looking at my multi-factor authentication app that you know I use for uh, all the different forms where I need to put in that OAuth so that one-time uh, code, and that list is is getting exceedingly long as well. So yeah. uh, also, I, I like to turn on MFA everywhere, uh, but that list is not something you want to lose and need to manually restore somehow because that is a, that's going to be a pain.
0: It's uh, it's amazing, and I, I, I mean, think about it. We're in technology. Yeah. said we live, we breathe we we this is our world
1: yeah.
0: and, and try I mean I you know I look at my mother you know I mean she's 75 now and she uses the computer and so do I just to make sure it all still works okay but I mean yeah. she's 75 I mean she still goes out and you know, bets on the horses and does things and all this other stuff so how on this great green planet do we ever expect to be able to, to be able to keep them safe up? When yeah. we ourselves are, are having to run around with different types of technology, different types of overall capabilities, all this different stuff. I mean, we're not a a freaking chance. This, I think, is what frustrates the hell out of me about technology. It's moved way faster than our ability to actually effectively package it and hand it to the masses, mm-hmm. in, in, especially identities.
3: Well, I do think though that we've come like quite a long way, and there, I think, in the Netherlands, we have we have uh, like we've, yeah. we've, we've been doing uh, federation for before Federation was actually hit. We, right. we build our own Federation protocols and all our universities and even our government talks with a lot of other government services over protocols that the rest of the world just never adopted because we sort of built and designed them ourselves. Uh, and so we've been doing Federation for a very, very long time. But I think now with OAuth and SAML, and actually, you know, I'm in a, in, a, in a place where, where uh, we would call it, I think, critical critical infrastructure. Uh, uh, and we're actually adding more and more apps to our uh, identity provider store. So we're using Azure AD and adding, uh, you know, lots and lots of different apps, basically every day. Like in my in the team where where I where I do the designing and the, and the planning and everything, um, I have two people basically adding new apps every day. And I think yeah. like having that that's, that that single sign-on federation stuff, even apps, you know, adopting SKIM. And doing the provisioning and getting all that stuff right, I, I was actually quite amazed how easy some of this, you know, how how far along we've come here. Where you know, looking at you know how hard the the initial federations were, and we actually needed quite some government regulation to get you know universities to work together. And but
0: the... again, that's that's from a Netherlands standpoint. I mean, again, you you're very fortunate that you have the ability to lead the pack or at least be in among the front runners on the pack to do that, which is fantastic. And again, I think from your standpoint, you you've at least settled on one. But I'm a perfect example, I mean, I'm on the advisory board for TruSona, and I'm also just about to announce one of the other organizations, uh Ethopass. We're about to go, hey, look, we're 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 up and running. So I mean that's just two. Then you've got duo and then you've got Octon, you got and I mean, again, I'll go back to my mother. I go back to the mass population. Yeah. How do they effectively choose? How do they know what's good, what's bad, what's ugly? I mean, and and this is my biggest frustration on a lot of this stuff is no one solution has got the answers to all the problems we have. It's the same thing with video conferencing. I mean, we're on the Brightalk platform and it's got some amazing features, but it doesn't have the features that say Zoom has on other things, which doesn't have the security that most of the other products have and all these other things. And so we've got the ability to do this, but we don't come together to do it we all go off and we scatter and do our own bloody things
3: yeah no and I, and, I, and i think that's definitely true and I, you know definitely when you're talking about you know all the video conferencing platforms not you know supporting interoperability and there's no way uh, that you can you know join a zoom call with the with the team's client or vice versa right and it just makes no sense because it's just video what's the problem and it shouldn't be a problem to have that interoperability but on the other hand, I think in identity, we've come quite a long way from, you know, having a Sibulet in the Netherlands as a federation protocol, nobody I ever heard of because we're <laughs> here. Yeah. Uh, uh, moving to WSFET, which was very Microsoft oriented, and we're just doing our own thing and building our own standards back in the day. And now, you know, all the big companies actually, you know, coming together and saying, okay, let's do OpenID Connect, let's choose that as the you know, as the standard for authentication. Let's let's you know let's standardize on that. Every time you build something new today, let's not use you know CLEF or PolySPED or any of those other crappy yeah. protocols that we maybe shouldn't have done. And maybe they were actually better. It doesn't really matter because the only thing that matters is that we do something that everybody else does, and that we understand it, and that we basically make this stuff interoperable. And I think we're actually getting to a point where. It doesn't really matter if your company uses Okta or azure ad or salesforce or any of those other large providers or google or any of those because technically uh, you can you can federate those identities across organizations much better than you've ever been before and you know i think we're not there yet definitely not there yet uh, especially on the uh, provisioning and on the you know making sure that. All the data gets, you know, synchronized around and we clean up stuff behind our backs and then we have, you know, privacy by default. I think there's still lots of stuff going on around, you know. Can I see the logs you collect of my user? That's not actually in your directory. There's lots of stuff going on in that sense. And maybe, maybe we even need a whole new set of technology. Maybe we need that, you know. Bring your own identity thing with blockchain that people are talking about, but I think actually getting interoperability between all the different major platforms is a really, really good thing and okay, not everybody's using it yet and there's still some CISOs out there that just want to, you know, control your username and password and create users for you in their directory, but it does make a lot of sense if we can have all this interoperability actually come together and, and, you know, being able to use your Google account in your G Suite environment to access data in my environment, just because it makes no sense for me to create username and for you if yeah. you use your account and I can just invite you somehow. So um, it's so uh,
0: it's perfect Perfect segue on this one. I was at a conference back in, it was RSA, so back in February, March, before we everybody went into lockdown. And I was at a, a conference for one of the providers, um, and we had a, a senior leader, like a CISO, CXO, of a, a very large insurance company and financial company stood up and basically said he's gone off and designed his own. And I mean, you could hear almost the audience gasp. You could hear people go, what the hell are you doing? You know, your senior leadership, you're in this industry, you see all these other things, yet you're still going off and doing your own. You know, again, to me, that's the fiefdom mentality. That's not the, hey, I want to I wanna sit down with, you know, with your guys or with Sempris or with somebody and say, hey, how do we build this together? It's yeah. it's the it's the human mentality of, of seemingly the human mentality of well nobody's doing it how I wanted I'm going to go take another spur off and do it again and yeah. with something like identity I mean it's a what ten billion dollar industry it take a bit or at least it was last year before COVID so um, I, I just it it astounds me that we still do more and more of that rather than to your point come together I'm still it still drives me nuts because. As an industry, we've complicated it. We've got this, and we've got SAML, and we've got this, and we've got all these other bloody things. We've got more acronyms than almost the military has these days. We need to simplify this so that not just we understand it, but so my bloody mother understands it, and everybody else in the family who doesn't work in this industry. That's still the biggest problem.
2: This is this is a fantastic discussion. and I would love to, to kind of um, dive a little bit into... What does enterprise, you know, because enterprise, once you you extrapolate into like a larger, you know, larger number of users, every, all the issues becoming, you know, extrapolated as well, right? So you take a small problem with like five users, once you turn into a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, five thousand users, become even more, you know, pronounced. And we talked about the interp- uh, interoperability between. Uh, between identities and to be able to access you know so it's all dynamic right so enterprise right now how do they they deal with this challenge specifically around identities and do you see any like changes in the way they uh you know they federate they provide identity manage it and again uh able to especially with the covid thing provide these identities when everybody's remote and essentially there's no there's no uh a, a, you know like you know firewalls anymore. It's a zero trust type of environment, but then you have to access your system from a corporate laptop that might that your kids might be playing, you know, something on it. So how do you how do you deal with that? So there's a there's an enterprise kind of challenge, and maybe if you guys have thoughts about where this industry is going specifically around identity.
1: Yeah,
3: well, uh, I think if, if if you're looking at you know the, the bigger the organization is, definitely the harder uh, this problem becomes, especially in uh, mergers and acquisition scenarios. Right when there's very different IT stacks that maybe, you you know, just bought a company that has, uh, you know, 10,000 users, 5,000 users, whatever, and they're on very different technology than you. And how do you get all those users to collaborate and get together? Uh, and I think again, interoperability is key, like actually getting existing systems to get, to work together somehow, um, is the key part of this puzzle. And then, uh, and, and I think also we need to make sure that we do stronger validations uh, than just the username and password. And I think also there we're seeing the technology mature. I think with the FIDO standards now coming live and, you know, even Apple now, you know, even Apple, like, uh, <laughs> accepting uh, FIDO keys on, That's on, their, on their device. Yeah. And uh, maybe someday we'll actually be able to use Face ID as a FIDO key for something. And then, you know, talking about my mother and talking about, You know, every time I look at, I I, I gave my mother, uh, you know, a a new iPhone SE and she can actually strongly authenticate to the phone just using Face ID or, you know, touch ID. And that's something that really, you know, that's something that everybody can understand. That's just really, really easy. Uh, And it's really actually quite secure, right? With the the secure enclave and there's all kinds of technologies on board there. Uh, Being able to use that in enterprise where you can, you can use the existing. Things that people already have to do strong authentication, I think that would make a lot of sense. But then again, we need to have that interoperability, and we need those things like FIDO, you know, all those initiatives to actually come together and and and, and be able to utilize all those different technologies that are already there, already in place today,
2: um, for stronger authentication. So, Wim, just uh, for the folks that are not familiar with FIDO, I'll just mention that FIDO is a uh, it's basically an association that provides the kind of guideline and framework to authenticate specifically and uh, mostly mobile but uh, essentially have interoperability for various type of authentication method and the idea is to use uh, biometrics and then the the what you talked about the secure enclave is basically the the uh, the biometric is resides on a device and only the token is been sent out for authentication and uh, again it's a one to one match on the device and and not one too many because hosting a, a bunch of a biometric on a on a server is a is a prime target and we've seen this in the opm breach that happened uh, a few yeah. years back um, yeah but yeah it's definitely a, a big promise and i apologize for hijacking just to forsake everybody to, no, no, uh, it's good. Good to it. Totally. yeah
0: that's totally. uh i think the fido thing actually is is huge on this one i mean if you look at the alliance members on fido i actually just went out to the site just very very briefly and what i love seeing is so many people stepping up and saying, Hey, we are going to be, you know, we're going to work effectively with it. So I like it and I think it's going to help. I absolutely definitely think it's going to help because I mean, if you think about it, again, you look at enterprises, um, typically enterprises 20 years ago, all, all jumped on windows 2000 and active directory. I mean, that was the start of it, you know, 20, almost 21 years now, which is kind of scary in itself super 20 odd years that long wow that's amazing. yeah 1999 amazing. the talk i gave earlier was like amazing june or june 1999 first time it actually went out internally in redmond and then yeah 2000 off it went it's we've had this damn thing around for 20 years and it's had its ass handed to it for about almost 20 years as well <laughs> yeah i mean, you think true. about it i mean from an attacker's perspective i mean this is I mean, it's 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 perfect. I break in, which I'm going to be able to do no matter what you end up trying to do to stop me. Mm-hmm. And my first port of call is your one store with all of your toys in it. I don't care about the data at that point. Yeah. I care about getting, I want identities because when I got identities, I can steal any data it's I bloody the want. the holy grail. Oh sure. my gosh. I mean, it's like we used to, when I, when I ran the previous pen testing company, if we didn't have AD, Active Directory by like lunchtime on the first day, we felt we were failing. That was how easy it was to get to these things. And so, you know, you look at what we're trying to do to protect it. Then you look at what we're trying to do to diversify, you know, moving stuff into the cloud, whether it be, you know, a deal Azure's cloud or somebody else's identity architecture. And then you, then you, again, we go back to COVID and we blow everybody apart to a point where it's like, okay. I need to authenticate somebody on this system before i even let them anywhere near my environment so how do you extend that capability and and still make use of like ad and ldap and various other credentials i think you know the whims point the framework and the identity management stuff is huge i just i just wish we didn't have the freaking do i wish we hadn't built up so much complexity to this
3: yeah correct yeah Um, yeah the 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 complexity is huge and but i do think there is a like light at the end of the tunnel in that perspective because making turning from legacy id that you needed to install on-prem and that you needed to maintain and that nobody actually upgrades or you know that might actually you know still run you know you definitely don't want to go into any shop and turn off ntlm anytime soon because (laughs) basically everything breaks (laughs) Uh, and, it's not pretty. Kerberos uh, has been out. Like th- those are different protocols that uh, AD talks, and you have NTLM in different versions, which is NTLM Manager, right? And it's still yeah. like so Oh prevalent. my gosh! I mean,
0: everybody still uses it. well we still run into it? I mean, how many websites have you hit, say, in the last six or twelve months, where your maximum number of characters that you can use is like six or eight characters? And oh, by the way, you can only use these special characters. And, and you sit and you're like, I know what's behind this. I know exactly what this damn thing's running and I want to kill you. I mean, I mean, that's nicely, but I think we need to have a conversation about how long I'm going to let the taser
3: run for. Yeah. And so and and that's exactly what I'm saying. So moving towards more like a cloud services, I think there is more agility there. There's way more agility to move forward and change things more rapidly. Um, I had it especially uh, during uh, the the preparation for my for my talk. Uh, so I was looking into the, uh, sans hack, uh, that happened, uh, in August of this year, yeah. where, uh, uh, some person at sans was lured into clicking and phishing email and basically doing an O of consent, uh, for the application to, to allow it, to read its mailbox. And in that way, you know, PII data got stolen and all that kind of stuff. And this was definitely a flaw in the way that Microsoft architected their identity stack in the cloud. Like, it was way too easy for anyone to basically create an app and ask a user to consent to mail.read and then basically be able to just read anybody's mailbox. Like, there was no admins involved there. It was just way, way, way too easy. And we've seen similar problems, you know, on the Facebook side with Cambridge Analytica, all these kinds of things where there's just an OAuth consent and then a user just consents to the app doing all kinds of things on their behalf. Uh, and that that's just way too easy. And while I was building the demo, because I, I thought, okay, Let me just, you know, show people what went wrong in this SANS environment. So I tried to build up exactly the same hack that was used in the SANS environment. Get the user to click a consent button Uh, and Microsoft, you know, you know, putting all kinds of warning signs like this is a risky app. You shouldn't do this and, you know, get your admin to approve it. I was like, no, 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 I want this, you know. I want to make this work just this exactly like in the Sunti Yeah. And I needed my app to be verified, and I need this, that, and the other thing. I needed a Microsoft partner ID, and I linked all this crap together to eventually get my demo to work, which I did, which is cool, which is still fine. And that means it's still too easy, right? Otherwise, yeah, my demo shouldn't work. But Microsoft actually was able to in in like in the time frame from August to like now to make life of attackers harder. Right, yeah. and that is good. I, I think turning off NTLM is—you know—that should have happened ten years ago, literally ten years yeah. ago. Oh, yeah, oh like, yeah. And uh, this OAuth credential thing is now—at least it's—it's—it sort of unwraps a little bit more. And Microsoft is like, like that's progress, right? That's six months, and but, we're sort of. But here's,
0: but here's the problem. Okay, so perfect example. Let's go back to OAuth. Remember that? I mean, we had the vulnerabilities in OAuth one, and then I was like, and so this is the, the, again frustrations here. You know, we started off with NTLM and it was like, okay, this work, oh, no, it doesn't work, uh, NTLM v2. Uh, that'll Oh, shit, that doesn't work, oh, we'll do both. Oh, fuck it, we'll do something different. And, and then and then we got into, oh, we'll do OAuth. And then OAuth version one got hit with like a hot knife through butter. I mean, it wasn't pretty. And then it was like, oh, we'll use OAuth version two. Every single freaking time we come out with something new, where the researchers, the attackers, the adversaries, are going to find a way past this. And, you know, I, I see this one that the, you know, we Bruce I, you know, complexity breeds insecurity, yada, yada, yada. We are adding, it, again, it feels that we're putting another Band-Aid and another Band-Aid and another layer. And we can't get rid of this. We can't get rid of NTLM, because if we did half of manufacturing and probably about two thirds of the healthcare system would come crashing down, we'd kill people and we'd stop trade from moving, because of all yeah. the crap that still uses it. And it's, I, you I, I we don't seem to solve things. What we seem to do is add another layer. And and I just to add a quote quickly, um, there was a really good question that's put out here. Said, the complexity problem, how can organizations decomplex? I'm like, all right, I'm gonna Google this just for shits and giggles because I know some of the answers. But I Googled how do we reduce complexity in identity management? The fifth hit on this one, which I'm gonna find a company and I'm going to actually taser them. It's minimize cost and complexity with AI powered identity management. I'm Oof. like I AI, hate I hate you <laughs> at this moment in time, live on video. I hate you. I'm going to find you, and I'm going to burn your house down. <laughs> I think. Uh,
3: I think the only one who really believes that AI will solve everything is Mark Zuckerberg at this point because he really has no other, <laughs> no other answer to any question. Timothy Lombas, between uh, the uh, but, uh, the AI isn't going to
0: fix. I'm going to put a chip in your brain just to do it. I, um, I you know, again, we. It, it feels like. If something doesn't work, oh, well, we'll just, we'll we'll invent something new. We'll we'll, we'll make something else up and we'll do this. We haven't, it feels like we haven't taken that step back. 1960s, 1970s, we'll use identities on mainframes. We haven't taken that step back and gone, what could we do differently? How could we approach the problem differently? How could we deal with this differently? We just put more and more Band-Aids on top of it, which means more and more ways to attack it.
3: Well, yeah, but I, but also I also think that you know uh, as identity professionals as consultants that want to help companies get moving further, I think it's really really important we start to finish things, like not just start things, you know, put in a new directory and uh, you know um, I, I've seen so many migrations from one from three actually from three ADs to one new one, and we actually end up with four instead of three because we never really. <laughs> got to remove any of the old, because there was still some crappy app here or there, that and the other thing. Um, And I do think, you know, that uh, it's up to us also just to just to have that stamina and actually uh, finish, finish what we started and actually make sure that we actually uh, finish our, uh, finish our projects and turn stuff off. Um, Also, I've seen, I've seen um, quite large companies now without an ad uh like new fresh startup companies uh uh, there's this uh, food box delivery company that i work for uh quite recently started (laughs) and they don't have an ad like they just use g suite g suite yeah and and and, and there's an azure ad there and there's some intune stuff but it's all cloud and everything's just hooked up together and okay then on the g suite end it still doesn't look really nice and there's all kinds of you know google sheets integrations on stuff that you really seriously shouldn't want in that way and there's probably all of grants all over the place for a gazillion different things so they have new problems but at least they have new problems right And not the old ones
2: so, yeah. so we quick, quick question for you so that's kind of okay so not everyone has the privilege of being a new company right to start from from scratch because this is like this is great you know these guys obviously started recently and they they they, they don't want to even get into that so but you know, obviously you have tremendous, both of you have tremendous insight into this uh, space. Uh, so if you, you know, you talk to enterprise, what can they do tomorrow? And and sometimes it boils down to like simple stuff, like, you know, pick a strong password, you know, basic, basic stuff, right? What can they do to to make themselves more secure from an identity perspective?
3: Yeah.
0: I, yeah. Any,
2: so, sorry,
3: go Good
0: ahead. Yeah. yeah, let me hit, I'm gonna hit a couple of these from like the security slash audit standpoint. I mm-hmm. think you know rather than avoid the auditor let's actually embrace the auditor for five minutes when the auditor says hey let's actually do a one-for-one comparison on how many people you have and how many actual identities you have let's have that conversation yeah simple. Then we, i mean it's i mean stupid simple basic, stuff like that basic basic stuff yeah and i mean you take another one it's like let's actually go through your active directory and let's have a conversation you know it's i i'll throw a quick shout out to to the semperis crew on this one You know, we've got the free tool that's 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 out, and we're sitting there and like, okay, let's have the conversation around account security and around AD delegation. Simple things like, why do you have guests open? Why do users have passwords that never set to? Oh, that's the CEO. Let's have a conversation about how to educate them more effectively,
2: or even old identities, right, Chris? Like sometimes they the view, you know, if you have an identity that nobody has used for two years, you know, why does even exist? Right? Yeah. This is like the first thing that you know hackers would do is go they abuse an old old it's credentials, right?
0: Simple stuff like account yeah. security that's on there, you know. And then you take a look at maybe infrastructure security group group policies. Okay, to give Microsoft some serious credit, they put an amazing structure around group policies. Now, did they make it as complex as all hell? <laughs> yes, they did. Did you need an advanced degree in quantum mechanics to understand <laughs> it? It helped, but it's powerful as all hell and it's amazing what you can do with it and then if you start putting some scripting language behind it you can keep monitoring the stupid thing and if shit changes you know about it before the Kerr-Bros-Golden-Ticket hits you and all of a sudden you've lost control of your AD so there's stuff we can do it's just it's easier to go out and buy a new piece of technology yeah and you know believe in AI to
3: fix it for you so (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly Yeah. yeah so so i i heard a an interview recently uh, on uh, on, a, on a podcast i was listening and uh, this was with the guys from facebook and actually discussing how they do their internal identity management and i thought it was uh, these these really hip startup companies like facebook that you know have actual smart engineers and start from scratch and basically build their own tools if they need to uh, they had a really interesting philosophy in saying, well, just, you know, what we're, what we're gonna do is we're gonna uh, hold the cred- the credo for use it or lose it, uh, basically, and make it really easy to request new permissions. Um, but if you're not using something, then you're going to lose it. And now in AD, that's really, really hard, right? You can't really see if a user needs to yeah. be a member of a group, right? And it's really, really hard to get rid of groups. It's a notorious <laughs> problem. Um, but again in, in more cloudy environments where there's way more logging there uh you can actually see which user accessed which service for what what the license was for all that kind of stuff and i think uh i've, I've had that idea in my mind and so please people go ahead and build this if you you know how you know, know how to code and have more time than i have uh, there is uh, like if you're looking on uh the, the microsoft directory for example there's there's a gazillion different licenses that you can have for CRM. All these things are not cheap, right? And a lot of companies just hand out these licenses to people, but they might not actually be using it. And then in the logs for Azure AD, there's just that—that's my platform of choice. I just know more about Azure than all all the other uh, platforms. So, but I know in the logs to see when a user used the license. I can see when the user yeah. actually the CRM. So you can make a very easy script just. See, if you didn't use CRM last month and you have a license, let's remove your license. And you could do similar things for permissions and all kinds of, you know, that kind of thing where you just don't need to be scared. Just remove the stuff, make it easy to request it if you need it again. Um, don't put, like, you know, a uh, processes in place um, and then use it or lose it. I thought it was a very interesting, at least an interesting philosophy uh, to use that as the basis for your... Uh, authorization management profile, right? You just look at what people are using. Uh, And if you have an app, for example, running in AWS that has a gazillion different permissions, uh, but the app has never requested or actually used any of those permissions when when it was doing its work, then that could be stuff that you can definitely solve by just scripting for it, just finding unused permissions and all kinds of stuff. And especially in the more modern sort of environments, that's really, really easy. And again, that's I think where the old technology lacks, like AD. And- well,
0: yeah, I mean, there's some stuff out there for like dynamic permissioning and dynamic. I mean, to your point, dynamic licensing. There's some stuff out there, but to your point, it's definitely not. Uh, it's not well baked in, and it's definitely not global stuff like yeah. that. Would be fantastic because again, to David's point, and actually to one other company, to one of the the questions that's on here, it's it's if you had dynamic permissioning dynamic attribution all this other stuff and if hell run some decent powershell scripts for crying out loud you know if you were doing something simple like that you would know these things you'd have that report that says hey this is unused now the challenge then is going to that level of management going to that business unit and saying hey you haven't used this people don't like giving things up it's like budget this is what again pisses me off in the industry it's like oh my god i've got money i have to spend it otherwise i lose it next year no you work for the freaking company, give it yeah. back. Yeah. If you didn't need it, you didn't need it. Stop spending this yeah. shit. Chris, you're, gonna, you're
2: creating haters for yourself.
0: I, you I'm good. <laughs> I, <I'm serious. laughs> I am good. I'm I just mean, it's, you know, this as well as I do,
2: people are you not going to give out I'm their gonna, budgets. They're not, and they're not going to give up that one. Well, Cause, no, cause the, the following year, that's a problem. The following year, they're going to they're get less because they say, Oh, you haven't used this one. So now you have X minus, yeah.
0: Right. Then you know what? Maybe that's better. Maybe you'll actually spend the money on the people on the processes rather than chasing the technology. Maybe you'll actually take a step back and go, I don't need that blinky light. All I need to do is go audit my systems, go do some things on accounting. Maybe you get somebody in to run some PowerShell scripts so I know what bloody licensing I'm using. And I can get rid of half of my freaking credentials that are sitting out there doing nothing. It's not that it, it ain't that hard. We just don't like doing it because we want to go chase new technology that puts a band-aid and hides it from us for a while
3: yeah you know i I think i think the the big trend of everything that we're saying here is that the simple stuff is usually the most effective right just just going back to just you know uh it would be a revolution if we have if you would actually have owners assigned to your critical data pieces (laughs) or your critical applications like who's responsible for you know this user yeah. or maybe this external person is in my directory who invited him you know having that kind of responsibility and trace traceability and having you know giving users insight into uh, these are the six users that you've invited over the last period to work with us and they're still active do they still need to be active and actually yeah. get, getting accountability and you know really simple stuff like that into your directory i think that's just that's just the basics and removing stuff that's not used again very very simple stuff uh, but there's not a single company i know that's effective oh uh, no and it's uh, and i think part of it is to know what is being used right and i think yeah that's a, that says something over uh of the maturity of our of our of our of our technology right and uh so my my uh my uh my girlfriend is a uh is a doctor and if you actually you know look at the way they actually document stuff and the way they you know know everything they're doing and have like research papers for should they use a knife or scissors here or should they use a you know a photo camera or, or a video camera for this procedure or whatever all the minor details have been sort of accounted for i also think that really puts a strain on on innovation uh, and i do i don't think we need to go to that level in i.t uh, but i do think there's a lot to learn from just the simple stuff like you know knowing who your users are, you know, validating that your users are the users that you think you should be having, what? removing stuff that's not necessary. And these are not the sexy AI-driven point crappy things that you might be able to <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's, but it's, but it's, basic stuff. and it's, it, it, and maybe that's the problem, right? Maybe because it's not cool. We're not doing it enough. Oh,
0: I think it's it's that, and, and it is. I mean, that's that's. Um, Jorge, I think I have got his name. He's like, let's be realistic. Cleaning up is not people's favorite task. Oh, hell no. I mean, military. Come out of the military. Yay, we have to make our beds every morning, and they have to be perfect, or else. And by the way, they're never perfect. <laughs> Secondly, you know, cleaning the latrine with a toothbrush. Yay, we all loved doing that little task, didn't we? And <laughs> we got yelled at enough times to do it. It isn't, it sucks, but it teaches us, it trains us, it helps us realize that certain things need to be done, should be done, have to be done, all these other things. And we've forgotten that. This isn't new. This isn't hard. I mean, I remember years ago uh, doing PeopleSoft integrations, when PeopleSoft was PeopleSoft, and we actually had to sit down with the various business units and have a conversation. Who owns the data? We've forgotten to do that. We've forgotten to, ha- and I think partly, and, and this is a, an interesting statistic, which is, in the last two years, we've created ninety percent of the data that we've used on this planet. Sorry, George, not Jorge, George. I apologize. Um, I just saw that one flick in there as well. It looked like it was that, and I went with the other version. So I apologize, George. Nice to see you. But it was one of those where we've created ninety percent of the data in the last two years. So. We, you know, we didn't get into a good mindset. We didn't get into a good rhythm, and now we're just being overwhelmed with the tsunami of data, and we just don't know what the hell to do with it. And again, it's like, oh,
3: check another band aid over it. We'll be fine. Yeah. I, I, I do, I, I do think though that moving stuff to, you know, and, and maybe I'm, I'm still young and optimistic, uh, and <laughs> I, I really think to, to get more cynical. Um, <laughs> uh, I think actually moving towards a more like cloud. Sort of externally managed sort of setup uh, when it's actual cloud i think that will actually allow us to to move you know in positive directions like i think it really makes no sense for every person on the planet to have their own generator i think you should only have your own generator to mo- make your own electricity if you really need to and if you're a hospital and you really can't have failures uh, but in any other case like any other person you shouldn't have a generator you should just trust on the central thing, generating electricity, and it shouldn't be something you worry about. And I think the same goes true for, you know, things like email, right? It really makes no sense for you to host your own email server. Really, it doesn't. Like, unless you're, you know, a government, or you want to have some other sovereign things that, you know, you don't want to be dependent on other people to to get the stuff done. And I think data sovereignty and all that kind of thing is very interesting, specifically from Netherlands perspective, because we don't basically do anything. We just use your stuff uh, over there in the U S uh, you guys are nice of the most. Let's
0: be honest. You are the nice folks out there,
1: right? Like right. Your yes, right.
0: You're friendly yeah. with
3: everybody. You don't piss anybody off, um, at least, at least, at least not right now. You yeah. never know how that changes in the future, <laughs> but, uh, but I do think that actually letting people whose actually job it is to make it efficient make it run, you know, efficient all these kinds of things, I think it makes just way more sense, right? It just makes way more sense to let to do some stuff more at scale, then do some, then, then have, you know, every company basically build their own brother on because you, you're going to have to, so
0: again, we go back to fiefdoms and it's, it's a mentality thing. And I think maybe that's also a, um, I'm not sure if that's an age thing, a territory thing or what it is. I mean, there's so many different potentials in there that I want my fiefdom. I want to keep my data. I want to keep my, I, I want control. And to some degree we've lost control. I mean, let's be honest. We've, to your point, I love the idea of saying, look, I don't want I don't want to have to manage it for an Exchange server. I'm actually happy. We have a uh, heavily hit squad. We got, our, we got our stuff sitting up in the cloud deliberately. Now, yeah. do we take extra precautions? Yes. Do we make sure that we have 2FA? Do we make sure we got all so that we keep the logs? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I want that convenience. And I also want that flexibility. Now yeah. you then get into like data ownership, data management. If I fall out, let's just say I fall out with the zero. I've had enough with them. I've done with them and I want to move to Google world. So then how do I do that? How do I take that? So all of those things need to be done up front. When the, when the cloud first came along, these were a lot of the conversations that we tried to tell companies and organizations to have, which is go into it, go into it as a greenfield. Don't just chuck your stuff out there and hope it's going to get better. We'll also go into it with your eyes wide open. Where's my data? Who has it? Who manages it? Who controls it? And what happens when we fall out? Do I get it back?
2: And uh, you know what's interesting. So I put the artificial intelligence AI aside, right? <laughs> um, you know, and maybe kind of the holy grail of dynamic identities, which we said it's going to be a tough thing. What What are your thoughts about some some technologies out there that maybe potentially look at? Uh, you know, kind of the baseline, um, as you mentioned, if somebody did not access a system for such a long time, or uh, kind of invert, start accessing a system like you know repeatedly, you know, because it's it's both anomalies that the, and, and sometimes that baseline is it's you know standard deviation, right? It's eighty five percent or whatever. So, what cool. about technologies that do this today? Um, what are your thoughts about you know monitoring those those identities on a regular basis and, and seeing there's any spikes? Would that would that assist the organization in getting rid of some of these issues that they have of unused privileges and unused identities. Uh, I would say
0: yes. But again, my the caveat on that one, and, um, the caveat on that one is anything is who's paying attention. Um, you know, we have, you know, Microsoft has the ability to pull that data in. You can consolidate it inside, you know, inside, you know, a Perch environment, an elastic search environment, a, you know, pick your SIM poison mm-hmm. at this point in time, Splunk, et cetera. But somebody still, got to watch it somebody's got to do something with it somebody's got to understand it so one of the biggest one of the biggest challenges and i think when you mentioned earlier we talked about saw technology or it might have been the previous podcast so i'm getting confused um, we talked about saw technology so the ability to do some level of automated orchestration i think is fantastic that is one area i see some huge value because as an attacker it's too easy to hide in the noise and it's too easy actually to make some noise over here that people get fed up with, and they turn the noise level down, and then I just keep on my merry way over here. It's it's still too easy to hide.
2: Chris, it sounds like you've done this before. <laughs> Once or twice <laughs> this month.
3: <laughs> yeah. So uh, for me, I think um, the the key thing holding back what Dave is referring to here is I think the uh, the 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 problem is that especially in the legacy environment, it's just really really hard to get a notice of people actually using stuff. Like uh, there's uh, in in the more modern environment, like I said, with, you know, with the, with the dynamics licenses or that kind of stuff, it is actually possible to go into the log and see, you know, user access dynamics and therefore probably needed license. But in the more legacy environment with AD, uh, it's really not possible to see, you know, did the user actually need the group that he's a member of. So if someone could actually come up with a you know maybe a patchwork for that legacy stuff, then that would be great uh, because that legacy stuff is not going anywhere real soon, right? And um I've always and and, and although I don't really like you know LDAP proxies, uh, but actually having something like an LDAP proxy in front of your AD uh, actually would allow you to get way more insights. Because I think uh somehow you know noticing that a user users group is used or even that a group is used at all at at all all. yeah there's there's so many environments where there is an ad with you know three times four times six times the amount of groups for every user right there's just way more groups than there is users and all these groups you know nobody really knows what they're for nobody really wants to remove them nobody really wants to touch them because they don't know what will break if you remove them or change them or even move them right from one ou to another that even you know, shares the shit out of people. Um, I wonder if this
0: is, you've hit the nail on the head here, and we touched it. I think you've actually hit it perfectly, which is, let's face it, Active Directory has been around for 20 years. It's grown, it's morphed, it's evolved, it's gotten big, it's gotten ugly, it's gotten crazy, it's gotten unwieldy in some cases. And it's like those bushes when, you know, you're in your neck of the woods. I used to live in the UK and Scotland. We had hedgerows. And if you didn't maintain that hedgerow, the damn thing ended up growing out in 20 different directions and you lost control of it. Yeah. Cloud comes along. These new things come along and all of a sudden, hey, I've got a fresh field. I can start again and I can do it better. I'll be better at it. I'll do it differently. I'll improve it. but. I'm starting to see even in cloud environments where authentication isn't being done as effectively as you should do. So we've taken those old habits and we've reapplied them in the same place. So we're gonna end up, you know, in 10, 15 years time, we're gonna need like cloud mark two or, you know, internet number six or whatever the hell they're calling it because we're all gonna have to migrate to that because we haven't learned the first two sets of lessons in how to actually back to basics and managing our environment and keeping it
3: under control. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Right, like you, you've seen uh, with the box company I was talking about, they have G Suite and Azure AD. Yeah. And so ideally, ideally, at some point, they'd like to have their G Suite users do something in the Azure AD and vice versa. But still, they need two identities because it was just not feasible for them to either to choose either one. And these are very modern platforms; they all support, you know, all the modern things. There's skim there, there's uh, O off there, but the interoperability is still not great. So I think interoperability is one thing, and I I keep coming back to, you know, things like FIDO, things like, you know, SAML, things like OpenID Connect, which is really just the standards so that we can start building the interoperability together so that I can actually use my iPhone for, you know, there's so much power in the iPhone's ability to authenticate me that I would like to use that for my bank and maybe use it for other things. I'd like to know when it's used for what and, you know, have visibility and everything. but also, I think uh, uh, Chris is completely right, where it says, you know, it feels new now. Uh, so what about 20 years from now? Uh, yeah. What does, that, what, what does that cloud look like in 20 years from now? And I think, yeah, I think there is some really grave lessons to be learned, you know, looking at the way... Do you that, you know, think we'll learn them? David, this is actually a good one for you
0: from a, 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 a philosophical conversation. Do you think we can learn or do you think we need to disappear and, you know, and basically WIM's generation and quite honestly, the generation after WIM need to be the ones that come through.
2: You know, it's a great question. I I think there's going to be, you know, like a hybrid model, you know, where, you know, some some new generation is going to come in and going to make some changes and there's going to be new companies that are going to be completely, uh, you know, AD-less, right? Uh, And embrace some other forms. And then, um, but I do think that eventually, um all identities will have to kind of uh, diverge into one what we we're not gonna have um you know and, and i don't know if it's a blockchain technology that will allow us to to have one identity and just reveal access to a third party depending on who they are uh but i think that they you know having 700 you know t- username and passwords and one account that's that's unsustainable um yeah. and uh you know I, I, and you know it's like the monster is growing and growing right that that core you know repository yeah. of identities it's, it's ridiculous uh yeah. so i don't know maybe it depends but well you know yet to be you know it's tbd right uh, yeah tbd yeah I agree so uh so yeah maybe like uh we have the couple more minutes just parting words uh you know you know how do you see the space uh changing now with COVID 19 everybody working remote uh uh, you know, companies are, are you know, who struggle within two weeks to have everybody, like, access to all their internal system remote, uh, which caused, like, you know, crazy. I know my, my account, I uh, had a couple of accounts, like, you know, Visa and some other ones that got compromised or just, just just you know, days after uh, the quarantine. And so, they, you know, the hackers, they, you know, uh, took advantage of, of the situation too. Um, and even, uh, you know, a, a, a SAML account that was... Uh, uh, Doordash uh, had somebody order, uh, you know, Chinese food and, uh, and some other fast food from, uh, you know, uh, you know, somewhere in, um, you know, mid country, which I thought was interesting. Um, and that happened very quickly after, after the closure. So, uh, any, any parting words? Uh,
3: yeah. So for me, uh, uh, please don't brew your own. Like really like that CISO that Chris was talking about, really don't brew your own. Use the standards. Like a lot of smart people have thought a lot about, a lot of smart things let's use those. Let's use the FIDO, let's use the OpenID Connect, let's use the SAML. Let's use the stuff that we've thought of. You know, this this stuff is hard. Like this is not easy stuff. It's not something that when you brew it your own, you get it right the first, the first time. Like nobody got it right the first time. So you're definitely not going to get it right the first time. Please use what other people thought of. Use the standards. I think that's critical. Uh, and secondly, don't be afraid to do the easy stuff. Like, Don't be afraid to do the stuff that maybe is not that sexy, but actually will make big impact. Look at the easy things, look at the things that you can fix today uh, that actually make sense. Uh, and then also be brave. Like, remote, Remove stuff if it's not being used. Let's just see what happens. Like, really, uh, That might sound like a career-limiting move, but I don't really believe that. I believe if you have the right approach, you have the right... You know, way to go about it. I think I can actually make real big contributions if you're brave enough to just remove stuff that's no longer necessary. So, uh, do the easy stuff and follow the standards. I think that would be my my advice to everybody. Word of wisdom, for sure.
0: Yeah, I think I'd add. A, so I, yeah, cannot disagree with either of those by far and away. I think for me, I'd add a couple of things onto that. So part of it is. I don't want to sacrifice user experience. I mean, this is this, you know what? seven and a half billion people on the planet of which four and a half, five billion are online or have the capability to be online. So that user experience is something which obviously drives all of us. So how do we make authentication identity management effective enough that it doesn't get in the way of the user experience? How do we make you know we face to face trust? Um how do we do that very, very effectively? And then for me, I think it also comes down to the responsibility standpoint and accountability. You know, it's we always talk about, you know, when when's got an amazing piece, which is don't click shit. And the problem is we can't say that it's click responsibly. So for me now, it's how do we authenticate responsibly?
1: Thanks for joining us on the Hybrid Identity Protection Podcast with Sean Duby. Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you like to listen. Visit hipconf.com, that's H-I-P-C-O-N-F.com to learn about upcoming events, view expert presentations, and take part in the conversation.